Hello, everyone. This is Michaela, and you're listening to the End All the Things podcast. As a life coach and facilitator, I work with individuals and groups to empower their best selves to shine to the betterment of all involved. My goal is always to bring you closer to trusting the voice inside of you that is authentically yours. My job here is no different. In my journey through life, I continue to meet people who use their authenticity, their gifts to grow, change, and serve through professional and personal endeavors. These people and their stories become my gift to you, for I cannot keep a good thing to myself, and I believe that they may inspire a part of your story to evolve. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of And All the Things. Today, my dear friends, I have my new friend, Jenny Mayfield, here to talk to you about her story, her life, her experience, and how she uses the light to find art. Jenny is the owner and founder of Jenny Mayfield Photography. She has a very vast and dynamic and impressive resume where she has worked in all sorts of fields from advocacy to photography to coordinating the Olympic torch relay. So you will hear from Jenny a whole global experience of what life has been like for her, how she musters through and through it all, how she helps you, me and the world tell our stories with authenticity. So Please enjoy this incredibly beautiful conversation with the one and only Jenny Mayfield and all the things. All right, Jenny, let's kick this off today by asking you, how are you feeling on this day? Oh, I'm feeling good. I'm very happy to be here. It's like an iconic fall day, so the light's good in here and um, I'm feeling good. We were talking about your good hair day a moment ago. (laughs) Um, and it's, listen, friends, it's the little things, right? Like not that we're being vain, but when you're having a good hair day, you're having a good hair day. It always helps. Never, never hurts. (laughs) So, and you do have good lighting. Um, and it is a beautiful quintessential American Northeast fall day. Mm -hmm. Which of the seasons is your favorite? Oh, definitely the summer. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Which part of it? The more heat, the better. Yeah. And we don't get enough of that up here. I grew up in Florida, so I had a lot of it. Um, And then when I left Florida, I moved to the north and then overseas. And I don't know, the heat just reminds me of of that comfort of home. And um, but yeah, I'm just more comfortable in the heat. I don't know. I hear you. I I kind of feel the same. And we live here in New Jersey, right? Mm -hmm. So it's it's not always warm, bright and sunny, but as a photographer, right, right now, your job is to look through a lens and find the light, right. Mm -hmm. Um, And to capture, is there a season that you find is best for that? Um, no, but what it does is it influences the moods of the photos. So, um, I do a lot of studio work, okay. um, which means that I kind of, I control and shape my own light. That's, that's my favorite so that I can get that constant, 
um, whenever I need it, whether it's January or July. Um, but I also do some natural light and I do whenever I'm, I love travel photography as well. My kids will tell you. So I love photographing them when we're traveling and yeah, you just have to work. You have to find that middle ground where it's not too harsh and not too low so that, so that you can just, so it's, so that it stays soft. The goal is to keep the light soft. So you find the little metaphor for life. Yeah, I think so. You just, you find the little corners where the light is soft and you can kind of get comfortable in there. Hmm. Mm -hmm. So when you create your own light, which, you know, part of this podcast's origin and mission is finding people who use their gift, their light Mm -hmm. to, to enhance the world. Right. Um, How does seeing through the lens and being able to create your own light help you see the world? And don't let me put words in your mouth. If it doesn't Mm -hmm. help me see that, but you know, I see so much in photography about perception and perspective. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when we can create our own light, can't you also create your own perspective and change the dimension and the viewing of things? Yeah, you definitely can. I would say for me, when I create my own light, I turn whatever it is that I'm photographing into a little piece of art. Mm-hmm. Um, that That's why I like to use my own light is because I can have some, normally someone, um, I'm a portrait photographer, so it's all about the faces for me. Um, and I can have someone in front of me and use the light that makes them look like their real self, makes them look like, uh, but brings out, I, I mean, to use a common term, it just brings out their natural beauty. So that I'm all about trying to um, enhance and magnify what somebody's already got. And so that's the kind of light I use. And usually it's just very soft light. Um, uh, very rarely do... I use, you know, hard light unless, unless it's a, unless it's a fun project that calls for that. Yeah. And again, I'm just, I I kind of have chill bumps just thinking about it because it's what you do with the camera is what I work to do with my clients, Mm -hmm. working with what already is there to, to identify the art within, um, and a lot of times people tend to to be a little afraid of that, a little resistant to letting themselves shine, right? Mm-hmm. At least in my work. Do you find that in yours? Oh, absolutely. But it only takes a few minutes. Um, once you help us with that. Yeah, you it's I mean, the main thing that I love to tell people about photo shoots is that they're so much fun. Everyone gets nervous. They don't want to be in front of the camera, especially women our age. I think mm-hmm. um, it can be intimidating. But it's really fun. I mean, it's like a play date. Sometimes we get to, you know, we get to um, put on your favorite outfit and a little bit of makeup and a beautiful hairbrush. And then we, you know, I find that everyone freezes up a little bit when you're like, what do I do? Jenny, tell me what to do. And that's That's my job. That's (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But it's my job to tell them what to do and say and to help them relax. And it usually takes a little while we've got some music going and then, um, and then their true expressions kind of come out. Um, everyone's different. Of course, some people are, you know, really ready for it. And some people it takes a little bit longer, but, um, once I find the pose that works best for them and kind of the, the feeling and, um, where they can find their most comfort, then that's when we get the shot. Yeah. We get the shot that they love the most. 
So you said like women our age, and thank you for sharing that. Um, mm-hmm. Women our age tend to shy away from that fullness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you disarm someone like me? Right. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm standing there, like my, uh, my lips start quivering because I'm not mm-hmm. sure how to hold the smile in the right level and, uh-huh. and my head starts going and then I start thinking, can mm-hmm. you like, let's brainstorm. How do you help me mm-hmm. in a moment of, I, I said, yes, I showed up to do this thing. And now I feel like all hell's breaking loose inside. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the first thing I like to do is, is just to say, listen, we've got all the time in the world. We're going to make this happen. And you are going to book this when you don't have something to rush off to. And neither do I, and we're going to see how long it takes and just kind of sit back and relax a little bit. And, um, I just relaxed hearing you say that, right? Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, you're giving me time. Exactly. That's what we all, <laughs> there's no rush. No, there's no rush. And we're going to literally just take our, take our time. Um, so, and then, and then the other thing is, is this session is for you and the job part of it is up to me. So I'm the one who, you know, knows how to tell you to move your shoulders and place your hands and relax your forehead and those kinds of things. And I'm going to tell you that I'm going to tell you exactly what you need to do so that we can get the photo that you love. And, um, you know, the other thing is, is we're going to look at the photos as we go and, you know, so that I can understand better what you like and what you don't like and how you want yourself represented. And, um, as we review everything and go through everything, um, you start to relax because you see some, you already see some beautiful photos of yourself and the rest is just, you know, good to have. So, so you give people time, mm-hmm. right? You take away the burden and the pressure of time. Mm-hmm. You take away the work, right? Mm-hmm. You, like, so I become just a participant, right? Like I just, exactly. I'm the spectator almost. Exactly. But then I get to do you have that feedback loop of, I like this. I don't like that. Yep. And it's, I become a co-creator and right. I don't have to really do anything. Right. Right. That's nice. And for not only women our age, but for all humans today, that is a really nice gift. And that is nice. Yeah. Photography. Yeah. No, I, I love f- photographing women, women our age as well. You know, we usually go for photos that they're going to use for different things. One might be, you know, a beautiful photo that they hang on the wall in their bathroom that that is not necessarily something they would use as a headshot or for their business. Um, And then sometimes their favorite photo is different from my favorite photo. Um, And we get both. So and, you know, those those selections change over time as well. So I like for someone to leave with, you know, a, a set of images, a portfolio of images that you know, maybe their favorite today is not going to be their favorite next year kind of thing. Yeah. Well, and I think that's so important that we recognize that we are changing, right? My favorite this year may not be my favorite next year. Mm-hmm. Um, my daughter has looked at me before and been, mommy, you look so different than you did 10 years ago or high school. You know, she didn't even recognize me in my graduation photo. Wow. And it's right. We change, we grow and we should yeah. be. And being able to look ahead, but also keep this moment, this memory of how fabulous we are in our mm-hmm. authenticity is mm-hmm. really precious. 
Yeah. What I love about your photography, because I follow you on Instagram, Mm -hmm. I totally scoured your website, (laughs) is that it really does tell a story. And, Mm -hmm. and that is representative, I think, of your photojournalism and journalism background, right? Mm -hmm. So, because first off, all of them are dynamic, right? Mm -hmm. None of the, um, none of the people are looking in the same direction, holding the same position. It's very, very authentic to the person. Right. Um, so tell us a little bit, right? Thank you for sharing all about your current um, mode of expression and art. Mm-hmm. Catch us up on your photojournalism and your journalism career. Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting. When I, I think when I started this whole thing, I thought I wanted to be a war photographer. Um, I think some of the war photographers that are out there, specifically Lindsay Adario, she's one of my heroes. She, if you guys don't know who she is, look her up because she's in the Ukraine now. And she just does these incredible photos of um, not only the front line, but she does um, the people who are left behind, the families who have been affected. And I mean, it's, it's, I don't know how many Pulitzers she has, but anyway, that kind of thing really. Adario. Lindsay Adario Adario. Adario, Well, let's just take a moment and hold her. Mm -hmm. Mm. Thank you. Yeah, she is. She is really incredible. Um, Mainly a New York Times photographer. Um, So that was that was really my interest. I wanted to be out there. I wanted to do those kinds of things. Why? Why um, did you think that? Why were um, I think just the sense of adventure and and also just that those were the, the, I mean, the places in the world that need to be seen that often are not seen. Um, Can you give and, us a time frame of when this was? Um, this would have been um, after I graduated from college, I worked for a few years and then was trying to figure out um, how to go to grad school. Um, and I ended up going to grad school for foreign service. And because I was interested primarily in international affairs and um, yeah, just wanted to, I thought that would be better than going to photography school to learn, to learn, you know, what was going on in the world so that I could figure out where I needed to go and how to translate it, right? Mm -hmm. Like what, what was most important to see and then, and to capture. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, so, so you wanted to be a war journalist. You wanted the adventure. Mm-hmm. You've got a background now in foreign affairs, mm-hmm. right? What happened yeah. next? So what I did, what I, I mean, I I guess I kind of took that route, but in a I wasn't by any means um, on the front lines. What I did was I worked for a large health organization, Population Services International, and I was on their marketing team and I just brought my camera to that job. So I traveled um, throughout Asia. I traveled um, all throughout Africa and photographed the programs that we were doing, which primarily affected um, women and children. At that point in time, HIV AIDS was was raging and all of these programs were in place um, to help those affected. So, yeah, I traveled. So you were indeed a, a war photographer. That I is, saw, I saw some gr- very grim places. Yeah, yeah. And what um, was your takeaway from that time? You know, going to places of the world that most of us only dream of, mm-hmm. and most of us would never actually go. 
Um, I mean, it just, it fascinated me. It, it, it was, yeah, it was just, it was, it's kind of where I feel most comfortable when I'm in, in places like that, that just are, they're just so intriguing and, um, yeah, it just, it kind of kept me going a lot of, a lot of my photos were published from, from those trips which uh, simply because I was the only one there, really. I mean, the photo, the photos were fine, but you know, like sometimes photographers have an edge up because they, because they travel and they go places where other people aren't and they take their camera. And that's kind of what I did. Um, so it, it helped the nonprofit a lot, um, which was, which was great. Unfortunately, that was priest. That was just at the beginning of social media. So, um, you know, I wish that I, w- I wish that I'd had social media and could have had more of a reach with those photos at the time, but you know, there are other people doing that now. So, mm-hmm. um, so that, but that was, a, that was interesting being a photographer pre-social media because it, it yeah. was quite different, quite, quite different. different. It mean, all depended on the media. It was all about print media and, and, and everyone has shifted gears out mm-hmm. of that space and into a new yeah. one, which we can talk about. Yeah. Um, but so so you've got this, this international movement in your space, right? You're doing good work in the world. You're taking at least good enough photos, right? Maybe mm-hmm. you're not, you know, aspiring for um, a Pulitzer, for example. Mm-hmm. Right. But then, then you come back, right, to D.C. You work for USA Today. Um, where does that job take you? Yeah, that was interesting. I mean... Because I had always, I had kind of always wanted to be a photographer, but then when I worked for the nonprofit and, you know, just literally brought my camera with me to work, to work, um, that allowed me to move into the editorial photography industry, like that job and the stuff that I accomplished at the nonprofit specifically caught the eyes of editors at the USA, at USA Today. So I wasn't there very long. I found that I was honestly quite bored working with other people's photos. I wanted to be shooting. That's what I discovered in that job. I um, And that probably it was, makes it the most important job you've ever had. Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I wanted, you know, I didn't, I was, so I was assigning shoots and then working with the graphic designers to create the online and print edition every day and, you know, finding photos to match the stories and amazing, amazing journalists that I worked with. They really were, um, they really are. And, um, but I decided that, you know, that wasn't, that wasn't where I wanted my skills to, to be. So was there a moment that you knew, like, was there a, like, I just can't do this. This is not it for me. I mean, was it build up over time? No, it was pretty quick. It was pretty quick. Definitely. Um, I, I just, I mean, I had gone from traveling to Asia and Africa to sitting at a desk in front of a computer. So that was, that was quite difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. That sense of adventure. Right. So if I'm not mistaken, you picked up that torch, literally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, where did the Olympics tie into all this? <laughs> that was actually, that was actually at the very beginning of my career, okay. um, right out of college. Um uh, I knew that I wanted to work for the Olympic committee also for the international 
angle. I just, I wanted to um, be a part of that. I had grown up in Tallahassee, Florida, and the Olympics were coming to Atlanta that year. So it was close to home and it was kind of close to my heart. So yeah, I just, I figured out a way and I got a job um, with the organizing committee. And that was literally one of the best jobs of my life. It was so much fun. It was- What part was so fun? Oh, the people, the people were amazing. Like we had this group, I worked for the torch relay, which is the part of the committee that brings the flame from it's lit in Greece in Olympia, Greece. And it was brought all the way. It was on a plane, brought it all the way to LA. And then the torch bears ran it all through the U S until it arrived in Georgia. Um, uh, for opening ceremonies. So, um, how did it go? off without a hitch or were there a lot of glitches? There were a lot of glitches, but I mean, our team was so amazing that you never saw them. You never saw them. It was run by an incredible kind of three main managers who organized it um, and incredible sponsors. And then the people that, you know, that I worked side by side with, like it was, it was amazing. Yeah. And everybody felt the same way. Yeah. And in each of your careers that you've mentioned, you've talked very, very um, clearly about the importance of the role of the people, mm-hmm. right? The yeah. people that you met, the people that you worked with. Mm-hmm. So if I'm not, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's an important part for you. Can you talk about the role of people mm-hmm. and how that has informed this, this beautiful tapestry of your life that you're weaving? Oh, wow. You're making me teary eyed yeah, <laughs> about all of these amazing people that I've worked with. Yeah. And it's, it's, so it's very interesting that you ask me that because, um, my latest move, I have just moved, um, my husband and my kids and I were overseas for almost 14 years. And, um, I have recently moved back and I don't have people to work with. Like I'm looking for my people right now. I'm looking for um, who is it that I'm going to work side by side with to create new stuff and to, you know, build something here and who is it going to be? And I'm uh, meeting as many people as I can right now. I've been here for about a year. And now that the family is situated and settled and things are going well here in New Jersey, I'm really focusing on you know, what it, what it is that I want to create, um, next as a business and as art and all of those kinds of things. So, so I'm really looking for my people because for me, it's what makes you excited to go to work every day. And what's what makes what you do meaningful. I think I do this, uh, some of my meditation work and all of that self work that we do. Um, one of the things that's the most important to me, like an, an attribute um, or a code to live by kind of that I came up with is creative teamwork. And that is, that's like the most important thing to me. If I can be creative with a group of people who are equally or even better yet more creative than I am, then I know um, that I'm going to remain completely engaged and motivated and inspired because on the days that you ha- you're down, somebody else mm-hmm. is going to lift you up and vice versa. Hey there, amazing listeners of, and all the things it's your host, Michaela here, your partner in growth and joy coming to you with an exciting opportunity. 
Are you ready to infuse your life with a burst of positivity, perspective, and purpose? I am thrilled to announce to you that the Course for Joy, brought to you by Joy Enterprises and yours truly, is available for you today. If this podcast has tickled your brain to think beyond where you are, you are ready to embark on a transformative journey where you'll discover the boundless joy you deserve. Life surely can get hectic, and self-care often takes a back seat. That's why we've designed this four-week self-guided adventure to seamlessly fit into your daily routine. So, in just 15 minutes, a few times a week, the enlightening video lessons, engaging workbooks, and open office hours will guide you through a journey of self-discovery and personal growth. As a special bonus, once you enroll in the Course for Joy, you'll receive an offer for an exclusive 50-minute live one-to-one coaching session to discuss your progress and where to go from here. We'll chart your course of joy together, celebrating your progress and creating space for your next steps. Are you ready to paint your life with vibrant joy and purpose? Head over to myjoycoach.com to learn more about the transformative course for joy. Let's amplify your joy and ignite your purpose together. So what do these people um, think of the great ones that you've worked with and the ones that you're looking for today? What Mm -hmm. do they have in common or what is the trait um, of that creativity that, that you're seeking? It's always been just the idea of a, of a common goal. Um, So I, when I was in Switzerland, I worked with this incredible makeup artist um, who she would put makeup on and you could barely tell they had on makeup, but they looked so amazing, you know, like Mm -hmm. she's, she's that kind of natural talent. Like she just knew how to do it. And we met each other a couple of years after I moved to Switzerland and started working together. And, you know, we'd look at a photograph and we'd both just like go, wow. Like, so it's like that common or it's like, you just get it. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of an unspoken thing. And then you figure out how to work towards it. Like, you figure out how to work towards it with each other. Um, I think for me, humor is a huge part of it. When I think about the Olympic games, when I worked there, I worked there for like a year and a half, I think. And it was so stressful. It was probably the most stressful job I've ever had, but the thing, the thing, because it was an, it was an event and it was all time, you know, it was time for timing. Yes. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's the Olympics. It's the Olympics. Exactly. And it was a big deal. And we had a lot of world is watching, but I had this team and all we did was laugh. We laughed the entire time. And when I think about like how we all got through it, that's how we got through it. You know, we broke the tension with laughter and I've probably never laughed that hard in my life. Like it was just, it was this great group of mainly guys that I was working with and they were hilarious. So that's, that's a big part of it for me too, is keeping light, you know? Well, there we go back to, you know, the soft light and the hard light. And while I'm all about the light, right. There's still, Mm -hmm. it has to be sustainable, right? So we have to keep it at a level that's constantly renewing, right. And humor is a great way to renew our spirit. So is that something you brought with you as you were traveling through Asia and Africa to just lighten the mood 
was that possible as you were in these, you know, AIDS and HIV ravaged places and destitute parts of the world? Mm -hmm. Did humor show up there too? It did. It did. I also had incredible co-workers there. Um, one of them is an incredible woman. Her name is Sue Ann Song and she owns a, she went on to start a company. Yeah. Isn't it beautiful? Yeah. Um, She went on to start a company called Appointed, which is a huge, um, that she does stationery and um, lots of printed materials. And it's, everybody should check that out too, because it's really beautiful. But she and I, um, during those years, um, worked really closely together. And yeah, we, you know, some of the stuff we were doing was so serious. We just had to laugh, you know, like what in the heck are we doing here and how did we get into this? But, um, so yeah, it, she and I, she and I got along really well in those, in those stressful situations and used a lot of humor. Um, and yeah, um, you know, it was, it was a mix of really feeling what and seeing what we were seeing, but then, you know, processing it in a, in a safe place and, um, realizing the, how big it was, the, the information that we were getting and trying to present to the world. Yeah. That's incredible. And am I right that you've done some documentaries as well? Or participated in some? Yeah. Um, not full length documentaries, but kind of um, last summer uh, in 2022, I went to Madagascar for three weeks. Oh, wow. I work with an organization there um, called Green Again Madagascar. And actually the executive director and I grew up in the same hometown and we were never really friends in town, but um, we met years later on, we reconnected on Facebook and he said, Jenny, cool. yeah, you, you should, he said, I always need a photographer. If you ever want to come to Madagascar, um, please do. I'd love for you to come photograph our programs here and, um, you know, help us get some good pictures of everything that's going on here. So last summer I went for three weeks and um, documented it's a tree planting organization is what it is, but it's an organization that the main goal is more to give the local Malagasy's um, jobs in ecology so that they are, they start at the very beginning as far as literacy training and accounting and all of those things. Very cool. Um, and the end goal is a more literate society and um, reforestation of the rainforest. So they That's do that incredible. in very different ways. And women are a huge part of their organization. So again, I was photographing women and children while I was there. So it was my cup of tea. We would just happen to be in the rainforest at the time. <laughs> <laughs> Not bad scenery, I imagine. No, no. Um, so through all of this, you continue to just tell stories, mm -hmm. right? And just mm -hmm. help highlight what needs to be seen. Mm -hmm. um, so what what were you looking for or what brought you to Germany, right? Wasn't that, was it Switzerland or Germany, your first? We were in Germany for, we were in Germany for seven years. And then we moved to Switzerland for six years, almost seven years. Yeah. Yeah. Why Germany? So it's interesting. My I met my husband and we had our first child very quickly. And Brian is was a reporter um, at the Wall Street Journal. And he and 
literally on our first date, we decided we would move overseas together. We talked about moving overseas. So it, it, it was, it, it, we just kind of, we knew um, that the other one was up for that. And within a little under a little over two years, he had, he had gotten an offer to go to Germany. So we had um, two very small babies at the time and we just said, okay, let's do it anyway. Um, So we went, just kind of as an adventure thought we would stay for a year or two and ended up staying for 14 years. So Holy cow. (laughs) So that's a long time. Do you consider yourself and I'm not, you know, totally clear on the language, like an expat, like, were you, what is that language and, or what, what were you identified as overseas? Yeah, I was definitely an expat. I was in the expat community you know, Americans need to be so grateful that we, we were born with English because a lot of people speak English. And so that, that made it easy for me. I did learn, you know, the basics of German and, mm-hmm. um, my kids are perfectly fluent. When we got there, we decided we would just throw them into the local school system because they were young enough to where it didn't matter at all. Um, and so they are, I'm very proud of the fact that they're so That's fluent. Really cool. and, Yeah. And, um, they were really, uh, my little girl spoke German better than she spoke English for a long time. So, wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. What was, you know, we're talking about the lens and and seeing the light. Mm-hmm. I imagine it was very interesting to look at America through a lens of any particular filter mm-hmm. while living overseas for 14 years, right? Because I'm sure mm-hmm. in your social media feeds and other areas, you're seeing this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, short of filling in the gap for you, when I have had the opportunity to travel overseas, mostly to Europe, mm-hmm. I get a different perspective of America. And yeah. I first traveled, I think, to France when I was like 15. And I went back going, whoa, yeah, we are so Americentric, you yeah. know, just so focused on ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so don't let me put words in your mouth, but mm-hmm. what, what did it look like to see America over the last 14 years or 15? I mean, I know what I saw mm-hmm. um, and I'm mm-hmm. curious about what the rest of the world saw. Yeah. The rest of the world, first of all, I would say that the rest of the world is very interested in America. They find it to be fascinating, whether that's a reality TV show. It's like a reality (laughs) TV show. Many like Europeans love to vacation here. I mean, a a trip to the U S is a really big deal. Uh, Just like for us, a trip to Europe is a big deal too. Um, You know, it, it was, I did, I was there when you know, we changed from when the politics changed significantly, when we went from Obama to Trump. And that was, that was a huge, um, Europeans had a very difficult time understanding how that happened and what, what it all meant. And yeah, the, that was the first thing that was ever at, like when they found out that Brian and I were both American, those were for sure the first things that they wanted to talk about. I would say that politics kind of led the conversation usually. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but food did as well. Food was um, a big topic of conversation. Um, what kind of food? Like what, what was so interesting about our food? You know, they, they, it's just, it's just so like oh, portions, I would say. <laughs> Super size and all that. Topic, always <laughs> a topic of conversation. Yeah. 
Um, but so what did you learn from that? Let's stick to the food, right? When, (laughs) you know, we can let politics go by because, Mm -hmm. you know, we've all got so many opinions on that, but when you come back, right, Mm -hmm. you've, um, again, more assumptions, but you're living in Germany and Switzerland and they're eating differently. My guess is a little bit healthier. I'm not saying absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and the portions you come here, what was that like? Was it a shock to your system or? It was more of a shock than I thought it would be. Yeah. Yeah. People have asked me this question before and I have kind of a, a blanket answer. And I, I always tell them when, when we got back to the States, the things that stuck out to me most were too much plastic, too much sugar and too much driving <laughs> way, like way more than I did there. Um, it's- and think of, think of the impact there too mm-hmm. much plastic, our poor earth right? Mm-hmm. Too much sugar, our poor bodies, right? Too much driving, our poor brains, bodies, environment. I mean, you, you name it. So yeah. I think that you just like solved our problems. If we could just deal with those three things. Yeah. Um, Cause those they are, are the three things seemingly low hanging fruit, right? Yeah. Like we can do mm-hmm. better in that. Yeah. Did you and feel I- judgment over there? Like towards being American, were you judged based on that? Um, was I judged? Not really. Um, I would, I would almost say the opposite. I mean, I think they were, again, it wasn't that common for an American couple to be there as long as we were there. Mm -hmm. And I think that, I think that they, everyone always, everyone found that interesting that why we would want to stay, why wouldn't we want to go back to the U S no, it it was always kind of a magnet. It was, it was, it was good. And, you know, they're always trying to improve their English too. So Mm -hmm. my kids benefited from that. They could, you know, they could learn German from their friends and teach English to, to them. So it was really, we met so many lovely people and no, I can't even remember one time when there was any judgment or, or nothing that sticks out certainly, or nothing that I was aware of. That's incredible. (laughs) Yeah. Um, What was your favorite German and, or any food from over there? Oh gosh. What would it be? Um, you know, it's, it's just the quality of the food. Mm -hmm. So when we talk, when we compare the U S to European countries, I just, you know, part of the reason we can't keep the quality of the food is because we're, we live on such a larger scale. I mean, the U S is so much bigger than these smaller, these smaller European countries. And so they're able to kind of, you know, keep it controlled and keep it really high quality because they, they don't have as many people that are catering to. So nor are um, their portions as large as ours, right? So if we scale down our portions, maybe we could increase the quality and sustainability of our food. Exactly. I mean, that's a, that's a whole huge issue that I'm definitely not an expert on, but from, from what I saw, you know, everything was just, I think for me, I feel like the key to solving a lot of those problems is just to keep everything as local as possible because it was, that's really, that's really how it seems to me that that's how they do it. Especially in Switzerland, there's not, you know, they really control imports and they want everything to be made locally. And if there's a Swiss company that does something they want to, they want that company to benefit. So that has a lot to do with it. There are pros and cons to, to it both, of course, but everything was just simpler there. It was just very simple much, much simpler, simpler than it is, than it is here in Swiss, in Switzerland, I'm sure people would be amazed to hear this, but there's no Amazon. 
Um, there, Amazon does not operate in Switzerland. Switzerland does not allow it. So it wow. doesn't, Germany is a big hub, but there are two companies where I could get most of what I needed that you know, that stuff you normally order from Amazon, but there's not, um, you can't order something and have it on your doorstep the next morning. <laughs> For Switzerland, is that an ethical decision, a financial decision, a, you know, avoiding monopoly? Like why? Would um, they- I think it's, I think it's, I think it has to do with imports and exports. They want everything to come from Swiss companies. They want Swiss companies to benefit. And so mm. um, they, um, it make, yeah, they, it's really difficult to get things in from the outside unless it goes through another, unless it goes through a Swiss business first, mm-hmm. hmm. you can't just order it. Yeah. For the most part, you know, there are loopholes, but yeah. it yeah. As a mom, it was hard to live without Amazon for the first yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No doubt about that. Hey, hey, my lovely listeners of And All The Things. Remember that incredible episode number 21 with my dear friend, Ella Majors? Well, we have got thrilling news for you. I am very excited and honored to join with Ella and her mission as an affiliate for her 22 Reboot program. Having gone through the program myself, I can attest to its ability to deliver results and growth, both personally and professionally. So here's what's up. You know you have earned the accolades, you have done the work, you have achieved massive success, and you've conquered it all. But you've neglected the one asset you cannot afford to lose, your health. What if in just 22 days, you could feel freaking fantastic? What if you could completely reboot your life and health, allowing you the energy, the clarity, and the drive to continue conquering the world? The 22 Reboot will get you there. After just 22 days of following this revolutionary transformation system, Hundreds of successful entrepreneurs, including myself, have experienced massive, measurable results, all while making conscious, ethical, and compassion-based lifestyle choices that honor our planet and the animals who live here. It is time to disrupt your life so that you, and only you, can save it. So join the hundreds of people whose lives have already been changed thanks to Ella's expert coaching. Her coaching material, content, and direction aligns so beautifully with the work I do here at Joy Enterprises. The difference is she pulls in the plant-based and wellness factors that I don't have the experience for. So because I cannot keep a good thing to myself, I have to tell you about this. So if it's got you interested, please click the link in the show notes or reach out directly and feel free to ask as many questions as you want because you are worth it. It is time for you to commit to yourself, your body, and the planet in the very same way that you have committed to your business, your family, your life, and all the things that you've said yes to. And let's do this. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you look at you know all these, all these moves and travels and opportunities, can you reflect back on something that at the time might have felt tragic or or you know all derailed that then turned into a success for you 
or, or a growth opportunity or something that now has a little of that soft light on it? I would say that the hardest part about moving and about being over there for a prolonged period of time was being away from our families. Mm -hmm. Um, We just didn't anticipate the, the impact of the separation. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we kind of envisioned, Oh, we'll have these amazing European vacations with everyone. And, you know, we'll have, quality time every year and then life gets in the way and it doesn't happen. And so it was, it was really um, difficult for me for a lot of years to be so far away from my family. And I lost my sister while we were there, which was incredibly difficult um, being away, losing her and then not having family around to, sorry. Yes. Um, it was, that part was very difficult. However, you know, how we turned that around was we had chosen family there and we have, we have friends there who definitely became like aunts and uncles to my kids and chosen family. And so now I feel like our family is just that much bigger. That's incredible. And I think it's, you know, we don't have to be overseas to build a chosen family. Um, We, in our little group, we call it our family, our friends who are family. And I just, I think it's adorable, but it also (laughs) says, you know, we are, we are everyday choosing what we're going to put our time and energy into. Mm -hmm. And there have been a lot of deliberate choices, right? You knew you wanted to go international, um, affairs type conversations in your life. So you mm-hmm. get into the Olympics and and mm-hmm. build and build and build. So I guess, you know, when we think about choosing an intention and, and building a family where there was none, right? It's about seeing what's possible and finding the potential. And to go back and use your words, it's finding the art mm-hmm. in the situation, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and that is it again, a beautifully woven tapestry, but so you've been all over, right? We were talking, I kind of feel sometimes in my life, like my resume looks like someone just threw darts at a board and said, try that and try that. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And when a person unbeknownst might look at my resume and say, my gosh, like she's either ambivalent or unpredictable or whatever, everything Mm -hmm. I've done has been intentional. Mm -hmm some better than others, but yeah, exactly. <laughs> your resume, right. Looks a little bit like that dartboard with the, with the, try this, try this. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I still see the same thread weaving. Can you tell me what you think that thread is? Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, my resume is all over the place and, but yet it's in beautiful my head, and it's <laughs> impressive. Do not get me wrong. <laughs> in my head, it makes, or it, you know, at once, as I remember back to the decisions I made and when I went here and when I went there, it all makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I think that I just go for what is the most interesting to me at the moment. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if those around me would say I'm a person who lives in the moment. I'm not, I'm not really sure that I am, but I do know what drives me and interests me at the moment. And so that is usually, those are usually the opportunities that I look for and, um, whatever it is I'm finishing up and moving on from, I take something from that with me. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, when, um, when I was, when I was at the Olympic committee, 
I was working around incredible photographers. So I was seeing them work. I was seeing what they, what they did and how their role was different from what I was doing. And, you know, that, that stuck with me and I moved on to positions where, okay, well, I'm here, I'm going to do what they did and bring my camera with me and make sure that, um, that imagery and photography, people see what I can do with my camera and it becomes part of my job. So, Mm -hmm. so um, was photography your goal when you were five, 15 years old, or did that come with the exposure to these careers? You know, it, it was, but I don't think I ever acknowledged it. I was kind of in one of those families where academics came first and photography wasn't necessarily on the offering, Um, wasn't something that it certainly could have been. If I had come up with that idea myself, I think I would have been definitely supported, but the focus in our family was academics and you need to make sure that your academics are good and then we'll go do the art and the, mm-hmm. the other stuff. So um, I think I stayed in that mindset for a long time until I realized that it was a viable occupation and mm-hmm. that I could actually do that full time, but I did it, but I did it full time, little by little by little Um, photography was always a part of my job, which I kind of think was a good way to do it because I learned, I learned a lot of business, which you need as a photographer. I learned um, a lot of PR, a lot of marketing, which you definitely need as a, as a photographer. It was almost like an education from one job to another, I would say. Yeah. It it was scaffolding. It was building Mm -hmm. up to, Mm -hmm. you know, to continue to find the way to tell the story and what story to tell. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's, that's the evolution, right? That's where I want to help the people I work with is, you know, let's take something that you really love and figure out how to bring a little bit more of that into your day. Right. Yeah. And let's just balance it out because we don't want to just walk in and pull the tablecloth out from under everything in one moment, because we don't want to be left with, you know, a disaster. I don't at least. Right. You know, so it's, it is building that very intentional life. Mm-hmm. How do you know you're living intentionally that you're aligned that, you know, maybe it's, when do you feel most clear in mm-hmm. who you are and what you're doing? Um, yeah, I would, that's, that's something I struggle with for sure. Um, I, I know that I'm being intentional when I get that feeling that, I have to do this. Like I have to go after this. Um, but I, it's not constant at all at sometimes. Well, that would be exhausting. That would be exhausting, (laughs) but, um, you know, and I'm not, honestly, I'm not really sure if I've done a good job with that. Like, like I have jumped around a lot Mm -hmm. and, um, sometimes I wonder, wow, I probably should have focused on that a little bit longer and stuck around, stuck, stuck it out. And, um, but then, you know, it's just all, I try to just regroup and start from where I am right now. So right now, what if ourselves all yeah, day, what exactly. if I had what if ourselves all day for sure. But um, the, I just want to remind you like of the importance of creativity, yeah. right? It's yeah. well, let me see what the potential is. Let me go yeah. look to where I can find the light, right? Like that's what I'm hearing you just seeking the story and the light. Just how do mm-hmm. I find it? How do I capture it? How do I tell it? That's um, that's a that's a lovely way to put it. I I like that. Um, <laughs> and and that's where I am right now. I am 
trying to gather up all of the experiences that I've had. And now I'm in this relatively new place and I am working to figure out kind of what, what story is it and what part of life I'm going to focus on next. Um, Mm -hmm. And um, it's definitely going to be women and um, mainly women and girls. I love telling stories of, you know, older women and young girls. It's kind of like, um, I love to see the women and everything that they've accomplished and for them to know that they've gotten to a great place in life. And for the girls like to see the road out ahead of them and, um, try to give them a good, you know, um, sometimes a portrait can just help you see yourselves in a different way. So, and I just love, I love those two ages. Those two ages are very beautiful to me. And, um, I think they're also, very authentic and most most people are very authentic and natural at those two points in life so mm-hmm. so when you think about let's um go to those two age groups when you think about you in mm-hmm. that older woman age group said respectfully of course mm-hmm. um and then you think of you in that young girl that that mm-hmm. more child what mm-hmm. advice do you think they would give you today I think that it's a lot about, um, you know, just letting go of the, the thing that we always talk about fear and, um, outside, um, opinions, Mm -hmm. those kinds of things. And really, um, you know, just really, and trying to keep that focus on what it is that, that you really love you know, I think for me, sometimes I think, well, like I would have a bigger business now if I had, if I had, you know, not jumped all over the globe quite so much, if I'd stayed in one town and just slowly built things up, mm-hmm. but, um, that would have been what would have happened to Jenny. Yeah. I, my interest would not have, yeah. um, held for very long. So yeah, I mean, I think, I think to, I think the older woman would say you did it all right. And, and I think that, you know, the younger girl would just say, you know, don't hold back that kind of thing. Yeah. (laughs) I love those. I don't know, you know, I'm not sure, but I heard Mm -hmm. the older version of you say, girl, just let go, Mm -hmm. just let go. And the younger version, I heard her say, Jenny, go have fun and change the world. Yeah. And, and what we have to remember so often is we think that that means we have to change the whole world. Right. Yeah. And when I look back on my life, my business, my things, everything could have been different and bigger, but I made choices, Mm -hmm. lots and lots of choices, some very intentional, some just, okay, I get, you know, we'll do this. Mm -hmm. But the reality is I chose them and given the conditions I had, given the opportunities I had, I did the very damn best job I could. I know that I've screwed my kids up seven ways from Sunday. I'm sure. <laughs> right? Like I'm sure of it, but I also know I have counteracted that with a heck of a lot of love intention and my best. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in the business of raising children, that's, they're doing pretty good. Right. Yeah. Yep. And I think about it in, in it's always got to be the balance, right. Mm-hmm. And And where do we find the magic? Where do we find the fun? But how do we keep the light strong enough to show the real art. Mm -hmm. The real art five years ago, wasn't having my business where it could have been. Right. Right. 
right? right. Just started it five years ago. Mm-hmm. I don't even know the math, but <laughs> right. But I look at my kids and I look at who they are and they're strong and they're healthy and they're bright, beautiful souls. Yes. And mm-hmm. I managed through all my careers and I'm building a business and a podcast and yes. I could have, mm-hmm. but I would have sacrificed whatever my experience was the last 10, 15, 20, however many years. Yes. So I just, you know, kind of remind you um, that you've got this, right? Mm -hmm. Give yourself Mm -hmm. the gift that you give your, um, uh, your models. What do you call them? Your photography? My clients. Yeah. My subjects. Your subjects. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Your, your clay to mold, but give yourself the time, right? You've got time. There's no urgency. And that is, that is something that's not easy for me, but I do try to remember that. And, and is there a mantra or anything that you use to, to pull it back in? Um, do I, let's see. Um, yeah, lots of times I just, I just say, you know what, what if it's just all going to be great? What if it's all going to be okay? Like, Let's not, let's, let's just, let's just assume that it's all going to be fine and it's all going to be good, better than fine. It takes the same amount of mental energy to think it's going to be catastrophic as it does (laughs) that it's going to be okay. But the, the downwash, the downfall of the difference between the two is just huge, right? Because if we're sure that it's Mm going to be terrible, we can also be sure that it's going to be great. And guess what? We don't know. We don't know what's going to happen in the next moment. So let's kind of be here now. Right. And I think what you're saying is not unique. I think women of our age in our space where we're going and moving, where we don't have people saying, take your time, you know, I'm going to position you, I'm going to help you. And all you have to do is be a Mm -hmm. co-creator. I think we need to hear more of that. Right. So as you're thinking about um, what you want to create and how you want to create it, keep that in mind that what if it's going to be okay? What if everything is just going to be fine? Exactly. Right. Because you have seen it all. But so when we think about where you guys have gone, how you have lived, what you have seen around the entire world, Mm -hmm. right? I'm not surprised that there's like a desire of what do I do next? How do I keep moving? But the be here now piece is so important for all of us, right? When we can calm down and get to that center and mm-hmm. say, how do I let go 20 year old version of myself? How do I go have fun and go create? Um, if you had a magic wand and mm-hmm. could have one thing revealed to you to help you figure out what's mm-hmm. next, what might it be? Oh. Would it be a person wow. coming in? Would it be like a book that you want to write? Is it, you know, if you could have one thing revealed? Mm-hmm. I think I would probably ask to see my, the, my, the, a photograph that I create sometime in the next five years that stands out as my favorite from that, Mm -hmm. from a five-year period of work. I'd like to see like, okay, what, what is it that I'm, what story does it tell? What, right. Do you have a favorite so far? Um, so the most, so I've really, um, I've been doing this for a long time, but I've started focusing on it now that we're back in New Jersey and that is dance photography. Um, when I was in Switzerland, I worked, uh, one of my biggest, it was something 
my focus on young girls um, often coincides with dancers. And so um, I met this incredible woman in Switzerland who's now one of my closest friends who owns a dance studio in Zurich. And um, she and I just started doing projects together. I would photograph her um, students and her teachers. And we've, we did that, you know, we did big photo sessions, you know, a couple of times a year and she hangs all of the portraits in her studio so that the little girls, when they come in for class can either see themselves up on the walls or see their friends up on the walls. And of course, see their talented teachers up on the walls. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that, that really kind of took off and I have started, um, working preliminarily with, um, a dance studio here to, to do kind of the same thing, to try and, um, you know, reflect these girls back to them and, um, yeah, just kind of capture them at this, um, important time, um, in their training, if they go on to be, um, a professional dancer or just, you know, I danced as a child, as a, as a girl till I was about. I was going to ask, do you have a background? I do. I danced, I do yoga now, but, um, I danced, um, until I was, I think I was 16 when I finally took my last official dance class. So I danced for a long time and my daughter is a dancer as well. So it's something that we can do together. Um, she is also a beautiful dancer. So we do lots of fun photo sessions together and it's something that, that, um, we share. Um, but I want to do it for as many dancers as I can, because there are some incredible, um, and I don't only call them dancers. I call them athletes because they are incredibly focused and talented and it's magnificent what people can do. With their bodies. Yeah, I mean, it is, it is. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's really fun to photograph. So much more oh, technical, so, much more technical <laughs> but it's great. They just get right into it and start mm -hmm. flinging their legs around. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, is it hard to capture them in motion though? I mean, it's just, you just have to have the right tools. Mm -hmm. um, it's all, again, it's all about the light. It's all about freezing their motion or letting it blur too, if that's the look you're going for. Um, but you have to be in the right place at the right time. You have to set it up and you have to, uh, you don't, you don't get, you don't usually get a picture, a, 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 an incredible dance picture by chance. You have to, you really have to have all your settings correct and your lighting yeah. correct and that kind of thing. Really so. hone in on it. <clears throat> when you think about um, your daughter and the other young, beautiful athletic dancers mm -hmm. um, or athletes who are dancers, mm -hmm. So much, you know, we talk a lot about body image in the media and in life and body positivity and all the things, but I also know in that demographic, it's very, it's a, it's a delicate balance, right? Between maintaining the body and healing the body and feeding the body and managing the body. And while I recognize that you're not a coach in that space, but how do we talk to our young girls today about their bodies, especially in a space where it's so much about their bodies? Yeah, it is. And, you know, I've always, I've always said that if, if we enter into one of those spaces, you know, one of those kind of toxic spaces where, you know, my daughter is, um, 
where her body becomes an issue, then we'll pull that right out because mm-hmm. it's, it can be very toxic. You hear that a lot in the dance mm-hmm. community, but so far we've been in really healthy spaces. And um, and I think that that matters, right? Like mm-hmm. the, the culture of the dance studio and the, and the conversations of the other parents, mm-hmm. because I can see that being a really delicate line. It is. It is. It's a very, it's a very delicate line and I am not an expert on it. Um, You know, the people that, the people that I work with, I feel like they share my um, same outlook as, you know, these girls are beautiful. They're athletic. Let's keep them as healthy as we can. So I, those are the people that I work with. Um, And, you know, all I can do is focus on my role and I will, no matter I've photographed all sorts of different bodies and they are all equally as beautiful to me. Sometimes the bodies that aren't as classically um, categorized as a ballet body, you know, if they're, if if they've got a different body and they know how to move it, it's even more gorgeous. So, well, and I think that's like, like you just said, I mean, it's the tools. How do Mm -hmm. you use the tools that you have to the best, highest optimization and, Mm-hmm. Um, and I think about, you know, I know after our talk today, you're heading to a yoga class. Mm-hmm. I think about the yoga industry and, and construct, right. The image we have, mm-hmm. I remember 20, however many years ago, when I started doing yoga there, it, there was an archetype, it was this yoga instructor and that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we see these bodies that are voluptuous right and beautiful and they're moving in ways that my in comparison smaller frame and body could not cannot do yet you know and it's when we when we pull back the expectation of what we're going to see when we are really looking at again to your point the art that is there and we just need to shine the light the right light on it and pull its potential out I mean I said in the beginning that's such a metaphor for life Right. You know, so if you could goes for more mantras, but if you could have a billboard, this, mm. I love Tim Ferriss, the podcaster, and yes, we heard me ask this question before. So maybe you're prepared, uh, um, yes. but if you could have a billboard everywhere mm. in the world, right. Since you've been all over that mm. says one thing, assuming that your business, your products have already been properly and adequately marketed. Mm-hmm. What would your billboard say today? Mm-hmm. And you're welcome to change your mind tomorrow. Absolutely. Right. 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 Um, You know, I would, I would just really say, um, look for the art in life and try to create little pieces of art that, that are going to last because I, as a photographer, I love to print my work, which is, which is not as common as it used to be. Um, everybody wants the digitals and I try to always give my clients a set of prints because prints are the only thing that's going to last for a long time. And, you know, 10 years from now, you might open a drawer and find one of my prints that you'd forgotten about, and you're not going to do that on your computer. So it's just about creating those little, those little pieces of, you know, beautiful things, that are meaningful and, and little bits in every day, right? Mm -hmm. We don't have to have to, we can, but we don't have to travel across the world to find those magical little moments. Right. Right. Um, 
And, and I think, you know, I can hear you reflecting on the way it was, right? When we talked earlier about photography before social media and then photography mm-hmm. today and printing back then, I used to run with my disposable camera and get my photos yeah. hour printed. Totally. Like double prints. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Double prints. And then you find that five of them have your thumb in it. And, it's right. like, Damn it. and then you have two <laughs> of them. Waited an hour for these. <laughs> right. um, but what, what do you think comes next? Like, do you have any vision of what comes next for us? Right. We've moved from this place where we love to look, touch, feel. I still love my books um, into a more digital, right? Like what do we hold on to? What do we let go of? Any Mm -hmm. ideas there? It's going to be a lot of hands-free stuff. I think, you know, I've, I've really been embracing video. I do find video to be very powerful and I dabble in it a bit for sure. But yeah, you know, I think it's also, I, I, I think, I, I don't think that prints are ever going to go out of style. Um, I love to, I love, I really love to create like large scale prints too. Um, so I'm, I'm one who always says the bigger, the better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, using your home even, or your office as a, as a gallery and displaying the beautiful things that whether it's photographs or artwork or whatever. um, I think that using it to kind of show who you are is really important, like to, um, to find something that really, that you really connect with that, that can be up on your walls and can influence your day and influence your, the way the kids see the place where they live. Yeah. I have to say the AI stuff is, I'm the jury is out on all of that. Yeah. It's, you know, a lot of people say photographers are going to lose their jobs, but a lot of people say photographers are going to become more important because, you know, we can do something that is authentic. So it's hard. It's hard to know. I'm trying to read as much about it as I can and be prepared Mm -hmm. as much as I can, but I, it's, moving, it's not in my control. So I just kind of have to um, be as prepared as I can and see what happens with it. I think a lot of good will come from it and hopefully not a lot of downsides. Hopefully it's more creating more opportunities to find the art and still celebrating the original artist and and letting people still earn their living off of their skill. Mm -hmm. Um, But you know, I, again, a fine line. I, I, I have no idea what's going to happen, but, um, our world is changing. Right. And when we remember though, that there are moments of art moments of, of just the right light and to appreciate them, it helps when it gets a little dark or it gets a little tight and and the things aren't as clear. Right. Mm -hmm. So I say to you, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing this and, and your perspective from around the world and the beautiful art that you create. Um, you and I met together through big believe, inspire, grow the women's organization. And in that space, I mean, like I said to you, I knew in like two minutes, I'm like, I need to ask this woman a lot of questions. Like I have so (laughs) many questions. But I love when we get to bring in new perspective and new ways of thinking and how to use your gift, which is your perspective and your ability to find and create light, at least in my observations, um, to help other people see themselves and to get stories told where where otherwise they would be unknown. Mm -hmm. And when we look at the world today, we are suffering from a grave lack of connection. 
right? Despite the millions of ways that we can quote connect through social media and other platforms, we've lost the ability to connect with ourselves and to see who we are and who we want to be in the world. At least that's my opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, So what I see in your photography, whether it's young girls, young women, older women, all the women, Mm -hmm. uh, all the people, let's be very um, expansive there, but is you finding there a mirror for them to see themselves? And when we can see ourselves in the world, on the wall, on display, it it gives us the courage to keep going, Mm -hmm. right? So I would say, turn the lens around on yourself. We'll capture a few really, um, really soft light in the right space photos of yourself and mm-hmm. see what she has to say. Because mm-hmm. where you go is very exciting. I'm sure a little scary, um, but you've been all kinds of great places and mm-hmm. you've come back stronger and more clear, it sounds like, um, yeah. with each yeah. turn. And I, for one, am very excited to see where you go with this. If I can support you in any way, please let me know. Um, But tell us how we can find you or if there's someone listening who's like, wait a minute, I have a great idea for a project and I need that kind of photographer to partner with me. Um, Folks, she's going to tell us how to find her. So how do we connect, Jenny? Oh, thank you, Michaela. That was lovely. Um, I am definitely on Instagram, Jenny Mayfield Photo. Um, my website is very simple, jennymayfield.com. And yes, I'm here in Summit, New Jersey. And um, right now I am talking and learning from as many new people as I can. So I would welcome any sort of conversation or coffee date or anything like that. Yoga date, whatever. <laughs> Maybe I need to come up and do some yoga. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what kind of a conversation would you want to have with this person that you have coffee with? Like, do you have, are there any questions you would want to ask or, you know, I just, I love to hear what, um, kind of what people are needing, whether it's with their business or their family or, um, their cause their, um, a lot. I love, you know, I've always been very involved in social causes as well. So I'm a photographer that that likes to photograph things that are going to move us forward. Um, uh, you know, and I, I love to do that through portraiture. Um, I love to do that through faces. And um, but yeah, I I want to find places where I can help and where I can help someone move their own goals forward as well. So, you know, if that is photographing your beautiful daughter or, um, your team of coworkers or the people that you serve, then that's, those are the kinds of things that I'm interested in. That's wonderful. Yeah. Well, I thank you for sharing your light and your gift with us as well as your story. And for all those listening, it has been a pleasure to share Miss Jenny Mayfield with you. Um, and wherever you are on this incredible journey, I hope you make it a great day. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Michaela. Thank you. Got it. Bye-bye. And that's a wrap on another episode of And All The Things. If you enjoyed today's show, please like and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. If you really liked it, please go ahead and rate it. Then think about who in your life might also need to hear it and any of the other episodes we have shared. 
then share it with them. When you find something meaningful, something valuable, you've got to share it and pay it forward to those you care for. Thanks for joining us and follow along on Instagram at myjoycoach to see more of me, your host, Michaela Bertieshaw. And as always, make it a great day.